Hi, I'm Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the Sonia Whitaker Podcast 2.0. Students know more, that children know more than we think. And I believe that because there's been so many times as school district official that I have visited schools and have become absolutely convinced that our results on the standardized test do not mirror, do not reflect their intellectual capabilities. I'll suggest that we should pause for a moment as educators and ask ourselves, what role do we play as educators in making that happen? In June of 2019, California made headlines for becoming the first state to outlaw the discrimination of individuals. Doing what we can do together. What I'm most proud of for our district, and I know I'm not alone in this, is we have worked together. Unintentionally would serve as counterproductive to supporting all children, and more specifically, black children, in reaching their fullest uh, intellectual potential. New York City schools, particularly as it related to the number of students of color. The purpose of this podcast is not to admire problems. The purpose of this podcast is to identify issues that are impacting education, either directly or indirectly, and to provide for you recommendations for how to resolve the issues that have been identified so that you may continue about the business of ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. It brings me great honor during this time of the year via the form of podcasts to communicate with you about the top five questions for engaging in critical conversations with your child's teachers. As we recognize, not only in Illinois, but across the nation, parents and guardians, grandparents and the like, are positioning yourselves to prepare to have the types of conversations with your child's teachers that ultimately result in better academic, social, and emotional experiences for them. I think as uh, parents and guardians and the like, it is important that we recognize that our involvement is key. The reality is that research shows that parent involvement with reading activities and various different activities related to school-related topics ultimately result in students doing better in school. So the more we involved, the further our students will go. I think that we should also recognize that depending upon what is going on in our life at the time, that our involvement may look different. Um, Say we are um, in the process of dealing with, say, family hardships or a death in the family and the like. We may not be as attentive as family members as we would like to be. But nonetheless, whatever involvement that we can provide will go far and will prove beneficial to the children that we love so much. Now, it's interesting because I'll speak to you from this topic, about this topic rather, from the perspective of an educator, but also from the perspective of a parent. And I will reveal that from an educator's perspective, I really gain a 
better understanding of how, I'll just say stressful sometimes and hard it can be um, as a parent to even come up to the school, much less try to figure out the types of questions to ask of the child's teacher and administrator, if be it necessary, that can be a stressful process. So on the educator side of things, I don't know that I appreciated it as much as I learned to appreciate it after I had children. And then I was on the other side, to be quite frank, on the other side of the desk. And I remember, I didn't plan on sharing this, but it just came to me. I remember the first time I went to meet with my child's teacher, I thought to myself, if this person tells me that my child is anything other than absolutely fabulous, I will be mortified. And I can laugh about that now. But I do remember like literally getting the shakes as I um, began to think about what someone else would tell me about how my child was doing. Because as parents and guardians, we, we really put a lot of stock in um, our own competency based on how our children do and other people's perception of them. And so I guess I wanted to be straight up about the fact that I know that no matter how experienced we are, educated we are, how no matter how old our children are, this time of the year, we as parents can really take uh, the outcome of that conversation very, very personal. And so I just wanted you to know that the top five questions for engaging in critical conversations with your child's teacher, I actually put it out a couple of times a year on the radio. I have put it out via television before, and now I'm putting it out via podcast because people have always responded favorably um, to the questions and the extent to which they find these guidelines helpful to jumpstart the conversation. Another thing I want to say before I get into the top five questions is that you don't have to wait until parent-teacher conferences to engage in conversations with your child's teacher. In fact, I always encourage parents to do so proactively, maybe even before parent-teacher conferences are scheduled or immediately following to make sure that what you all discuss relevant to goals that have been established for your child are um, your child is actually on track to meeting those goals. So the one takeaway I want you to have next is that it is okay to not wait for the school to contact you, to not necessarily do it um, within the confines of sometimes what is limited to a 15-minute conversation, and to, again, um, be proactive about deciding when that conversation actually needs to take place. The next thing I want to say is that it is my greatest hope that the top five questions for engaging in conversations with your child's teachers are actually used by you as a parent to advance your efforts and your child's academic, social, and emotional goals forward. But I also want to say that this podcast is topic in particular is not just for parents. I would contend that if educators at the classroom level, at the building level, be it principal or assistant principal, and even at the district level, if they wrap their arms around these top five questions and they are actually prepared proactively to issue you an accurate and a thorough response 
to the questions that I am going to provide for you, they are going to be more effective in accomplishing the goals that have been established, say, at the classroom level, again, at the building and the district level. And so even though I am earmarking the content of this topic uh, as it relates to an actual title for the podcast for parents, I am hoping that the educators will also listen and, again, use it to as a benchmark for which they can determine how ready they are to engage with you. And so there you have it. Um, the first question that I would like for parents to pose to their child's or children's teachers is, what is my child expected to know and be able to do this school year? And what I like about that is that takes the guesswork out. I always tell my friends, I don't like surprises. I don't know. Seriously, I just don't do well with surprises. I don't like surprise birthday parties. I like to know what's coming toward me. And so by asking the question, what is my child expected to know and be able to do? On a proactive perspective, as a parent, you know on the front end so that you can provide some supports at home relevant to that. The next question is, how will you know if my child or children have reached the expectations that have been established? That's really important. So again, let's go back to the first question. How, what is my child expected to know and be able to do? And then the second one, how will you know if my child has reached the expectations that have been established? And now we're moving more toward assessment. There are multiple ways at the classroom and the district level by which and a school district or school or institution, if you will, determines your child's proficiency level. You want to know what those measures of success are so that you, again, can support your child's development in the home setting. The third question is, to what extent is my child provided an opportunity to demonstrate what he, she, or they, in the case of your children and the like, um, are able to use what is referred to as preferred delivery method. Now this term preferred delivery method is a term that I coined in my first book entitled, Is There anybody in this school who can teach me how to read and preferred delivery method really is about the manner in which your child prefers to demonstrate what they know and are able to do for example i tell people all the time when i was in school i was not good at standardized tests if you gave me a standardized test and you use that as a springboard to determining my intellectual capability as a student i sure humbly you would not have gotten an accurate read on what i actually knew i have a tendency to believe using me as a simple example that i'm a gifted orator that i have a very very strong ability to clearly articulate my thinking orally and so if a teacher is assessing my intellect on a particular topic, theme, skill, or concept, the best way to determine what I know is to give me an opportunity to speak about it. 
And so I want to give you this term, preferred delivery method. And I do feel it necessary to stop right here for just a second. Because when I've talked about this topic with educators across the United States of America, sometimes they say, okay, Doc, I know that we want to give students an opportunity to demonstrate what they know and are able to do using a method that they consider a strength. The problem with that, some educators have said to me, is it is the standardized test which is used um, as a grader, as a marker, really not just to determine your child's competency, but unfortunately far too often how your child fares on a standardized test becomes the standard by which at the state and the national level, the school is actually graded. That's another topic. But where I want to go with this relevant to preferred delivery method is if you pose this question or you make a statement like you're giving a fill in the blank test and that's not how my child best demonstrates um, what my child is able to do. And so would you give my child another opportunity using the preferred delivery method? If you are posed with a response from an educator that would suggest, but they have to fare well on the standardized test, I'm going to do what I hadn't intended to do, which I'm going to call it, maybe I should call it the six questions or at least response. And that is a response would be, isn't the purpose of assessment for you, the educator, to get an accurate read on what my child knows and is able to do? so that you can make the necessary adjustment in instruction. Wow, that's a billion dollar statement right there. I'll repeat that one. Isn't the purpose of instruction for you to get an accurate read on what my child knows and is able to do so that you can make the necessary adjustments in instruction? And so in the classroom, if a teacher is spending 80% of the assessment time grading your child or assessing your child in a way in which your child doesn't best demonstrate knowledge, that's problematic, which ultimately will result in your child knowing more than the school thinks that they know. And so you want to spend some time with that. You want to see the school or the teacher in this instance balance, balance out the assessment measures so that they get a more accurate read and of course, gain the information needed to do the best that he or she can do to ensure that your child is also able to transfer or demonstrate knowledge in a more standardized form. Question four. What happens in the event that you determine that my child is not meeting the expectations that have been established? Now, that's important. And that's why, again, parent-teacher conferences are important to uh, participate in, and those happen late October, sometimes as late as the middle of November. But those conversations have to be had more often because at some point, the teacher has established a checkpoint by which they determine whether or not your child is making the expected level of progress. And so what you have the right to know and what I want to arm you with, for the lack of a better term, is a question that will allow you to say to the teacher sort of indirectly, I'm expecting at some point prior to the end of the school year that you have made um, an accurate, an opinion, a judgment based on factual information about how my child is 
progressing. And in the event that you determine that my child is not showing expected growth, I want to know, I'd like to know rather, what happens in the school setting to address the areas of deficiency. And then lastly, what can I do in the home setting, in the library, on my way to taking my child to practice, whatever your home environment might look like. What can I do in my environment to address the skills that you have identified as areas in need of improvement? And then closing, this is so important. And I'm actually going to have you encourage the teacher to move away, for example, in the area of reading or literacy, from just suggesting that you read to your child. Now, some might hear me say that and go, ouch, doc, did you just say that? Yes, I did just say that. Reading to your child is important. It is so important. I cannot put enough emphasis on that. But in some instances, depending upon your child's proficiency in this area in particular, reading to your child may not be enough. For example, if your child is struggling with reading comprehension or a higher critical thinking skill like making inferences from text, meaning reading a piece of text and inferring what the author is not explicitly stating, then just reading to your child does not get at that, the development as it relates to that skill. So an example of what can I do within the home setting relevant to that particular scenario would be as opposed to say reading 20 pages to your child or with your child, that you would read shorter passages and then pose questions related to the shorter passages so that you know that your child is indeed comprehending. And so I'm going to suggest that when you get to the what can I do within my home setting to address the areas that are considered areas in need of improvement? What I want you to do is to push a little bit further than you've ever done before that conversation with your child's teachers so that you can make sure you can get enough information to be effective in your role as parent as it relates to supporting your child's academic, social, and emotional development. I thank you so much for giving of your gift of time. I wish you all the best as you engage in this process. I will continue to make myself available for you, so feel free to pose any questions that you may have of me, uh, to share any information that you may have about how this experience goes for you. And you may reach out to me directly by going to my website at sonyawhitaker.com and entering any questions, comments that you have in the contact us section of sonyawhitaker.com. Thank you for listening to the Sonya Whitaker Podcast 2.0. You can follow Sonya on all social media platforms at Sonya Whitaker, S-O-N-Y-A-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. Also, you can access her podcasts on her website, sonyawhitaker.com. Click on live and on-demand radio to listen to previous podcast episodes.